Governments strike back at tech and personal computer shipments plunge in the first quarter of 2023. Also, is big tech the reason why innovation seems flat? We'll talk about these trends next up on Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. I'm Keith Shaw. Welcome back to Today in Tech. Joining me to discuss some recent news, tech, uh, tech news, is Chris from Behind the Computer. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So um, let's just start off in something that does not have to do anything with AI. So I'm actually pretty excited because I've, I've looked and like our last five or six episodes have all been around AI. We are going to talk about AI, but later in the show. So uh, both uh, two, two analyst firms this week, IDC, which is part of this company, Foundry, and uh, Canalys have estimated that the worldwide computer shipments dropped between 29 to 33% year over year in the first quarter of 2023. Definitely a steeper drop than during the holidays, and this time none of the major brands escaped the worst of the downturn. Uh, Lenovo, HP, Apple, uh, Dell, Asus—they all—they all—they all found uh, fewer shipments than um, than the previous year. Uh, the IDC report—I just want to bring that up—they are blaming basically weak demand, excess inventory, and a worsening a worsening macroeconomic climate. Uh, we're basically all contributing factors for this drop in shipments of traditional PCs. And they include Apple in this because, you know, this is now considered, a, I guess, a, a personal PC or a traditional PC. Right. Uh, in, in terms of what you use it for. Um, so, it, you know, it's basically uh, there's there's a whole bunch of factors, but um, that is not great news for a lot of tech companies that also experienced a bunch of layoffs uh, over recent over recent months or weeks, uh, basically due to the over they overhired for uh, a lot of uh, pandemic era sort of uh, hiring. You know, they, they needed more people, so they hired a bunch of people. But And then they, they saw a jump in growth as more companies were going into this remote work, hybrid work era. And so they started buying more kind of laptops. And But now basically it's all coming home to roost. Yeah, it seems like uh, everybody bought their laptops and, and computers during the pandemic. And now it's just like demand is down. So, you know. Yeah, and, and again, I think the other issue, and this is something that we've brought up before, is that it feels to me like the lifespan of a computer these days is a lot longer than it used to be. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, in the early days, you know, this may even be going back 30 years, but it would always be, you know, uh, processors would get faster, you'd get more memory, you know, everything was being improved in the PCs. Um, and so you felt like every two to three years, you would you would sort of get a new computer. I, I, I even push it to five, almost. It, but that's like, well, my, now custom, it feels like, that's like yeah. my custom-made desktop PC. Well, yeah, if, if you were like a high-end gamer, yeah, you would definitely, you would want more than a three-year lifespan on it. But um, for the most part, it, it did feel like there was a three-year. And I think, you know, companies, corporate companies, I think they capped it at three. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it feels now like even the one that I use at home, my personal computer, I think that was like four plus years ago and yeah. i have no intention of you know it still runs uh my video editing software just fine it still runs photoshop all of those quote-unquote higher end sort of applications you need yeah. i don't use it for gaming i suppose gaming would be the one area that like you want to sort of keep up on because uh, the games keep pushing the the other components of the hardware yeah uh they got to get ready for unreal engine 5 yeah like have Ooh. you have you gotten a sense of the the stuff that you do with all of your video work is it you know, do you get a sense that at some point you're going to need a new system because the other one is old, or is it just more of when the thing breaks down or if something if something happens? Look. Yeah, I think it's just kind of like the natural deterioration of the chips and the computer. So, 
like five years is like the max yeah. you would want. But I, I, you don't really, I never really have seen the need to upgrade computer, like laptops, computers, or computer parts after like two, three, two to three years. Like the the jump up in hardware is not that drastic, right? Unless and that, you're and doing that's like, sort of that innovation curve that we were talking about. How it it doesn't it, you don't go from here to here, but you go from like here to here. Yeah, you know, smaller iterations, kind of like the same thing with TV resolution. Yeah, I mean, I just edit videos. I don't do any like special effects CGI. Like if I went from video editing to, you know, 3D rendering, right? Right. Like uh, you know, doing stuff what like Disney and Marvel does. Sorry, right. ILM. Right. Then you might want um, to update your hardware. Yeah. Like big time. Have you ever watched any? So this is a, uh, another tangent. We're, we're going to go off on a tangent here. Have you ever watched any in um, behind the scenes? documentaries about how they make sort of Pixar films or, or some oh, of yeah. those animation. Yeah, all the time. And, it, and it, I always sit and watch them and there's an animator and they do, and they work for like eight hours and the, the clip that they're working on is only like three seconds. Yeah, I mean, like the, the amount of work that goes behind these uh, yeah. like animated movies, it's insane. It's insane. I, 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 if I had that type of a job, I don't know if I'd be able to survive. Yeah, and at that point... Like that, it takes a special kind of person to sort of do that, right? I mean, look at how long it took to create was it James Cameron's new Avatar. It's a hundred percent. It's all CGI, CGI, right? Yeah. So I'm sure he's like, at that point, you're not really working off of the processing power like locally. You've probably got a render farm. Oh, of course, yeah. That, that's you're, how most you're, of you're, you're exporting that rendering right. through something. You're, and, you're working through the cloud, high bandwidth. So, and they experienced some interesting sort of. I remember writing a content marketing piece uh, during the pandemic about how do you sort of remotely support those types of people. Uh, probably they, you probably bought a high end system and, and basically shipped it to their house, uh, as opposed to the because again the the file sizes that we're talking about for a lot of these things are are huge and you don't want to have that traveling over a, a cloud based network to get to the cloud or wherever they're storing it. So yeah. Um, and it's it's a lot of power. It's right, a lot of power to run these. Run let's these get back. Things. So you know, it, it, if there's a chart on the IDC story that yeah. talks about, if you want to bring that up, um, uh, this is uh, the the top five traditional PC companies. And if you go to the the column on the right, where it's the basically comparing the first quarter of this year to the first quarter of last year, and all of those numbers like minus thirty percent down, twenty four percent down, thirty one percent down. Uh, Apple apparently, you know, they they were considered sort of safe from a lot of this um, from the past few months, but apparently that you know that that numbers finally kicked in with with Apple. Um, Negative forty. So it looks like wow. they might need to get that AR thing up faster. But. I mean, could this also be a you know a, an economical uh, situation, or you know, obviously, I don't know. We got to check on this, but if 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 companies are still having issues with like chip shortages and stuff like that, like it could be, like, could it be I think some of that? There's part of it. And there was another part of this. One of the stories I was reading had mentioned that uh, companies are now trying to consider getting, getting chips and other parts from places other than China uh, to sort of bolster that supply chain and maybe not be as reliant on China. And that might be slowing down some, Whoa. some of the, the, some of their, but again, you know, the IDC report says excess inventory. So, there's a there were enough computers out there uh right. it's just people weren't buying it i think the bigger factor is there's there's two things one is i think people are are wary of buying a, a new computer if they don't know what the economic scenario and the situation is and the second one i think there was a wall street journal story which i think you want to bring that one up right the um uh was the one that sounded like uh 
Yeah, right here. Here it is. The, yeah, normal, the new normal. This one gets into a little bit more about the idea that as, as people are coming back to the office, that they are, you know, that they won't need two computers um, and as much as they used to. Now, I was surprised that there were companies that were buying people two computers. Because it just felt like if you were going to... Wait, say that again? Apparently, and again, I don't know if it's in this story or if it's in another one, but um, a lot of people, like I said, like let's, let's say you were a high-end animator. Instead of, you, you can't bring your giant computer system, like if it's a desktop or if it's one of those um, monitor and desktop built-in, like an iMac type of thing. You can't just bring that home with you. Right. If you're a remote worker, you either shipped it there or you got a second one and then sort of connected them that way. So, you know, it, it did feel like there were some companies that were like, hey, we don't want you to, we'll just send you a new computer. And then that can be your, your home computer or your home work. So, the, so they just have excess. They just have excess, basically. Yeah, I just have to, I want to bring, I didn't bring this one up on my screen, but I, I did, 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 did. you they keep also, going. Yeah, they also state, uh, obviously, today's devices have a much longer lifespan. Here, let right. me pull it back up. Um, great performance and reliability. Uh, that's, I mean, that's obvious. Um, yeah, I'm, I can't find it. Yeah, I can't see the thing where it was two people, but I, I think one of the th- things I was reading was like, okay, um, it's just another part of the, if you're working at a tech company or if you're working at any company and you start seeing layoffs and you're like, well, at least I have my two computers. <laughs> like, well, right. no, you're not, you're not. Now in the IDC piece, there was a part, uh, as well. Um, basically one of the predictions is that by 2024, the, uh, aging installed base will start coming up for refreshing. And so, uh, they're saying that if the economy starts to be trending upward at that point, then there will be significant market upside. As consumers look to refresh, schools seek to replace worn down Chromebooks and businesses move to Windows 11. So I guess that's another big thing, too, is the, the refresh cycle of when, especially if you're a Windows-based kind of operation. Right. I, don't, I think they rely more on the Microsoft updates than um, maybe a Mac-based. Like, again, this operating system on my Mac is probably like two or three refreshes behind. Versus, uh, you know, whenever Windows goes from like a, a, you know, 9 to 10 or 10 to 11, it's a big deal. Yeah, I feel like they rarely, they've rarely updated their OS. It just feels like Apple just updates it every year and then you just get a new one and then whenever you're ready, you just sort of... I mean, I'm still on Windows 10. I'm still on Windows 10 at home. Yeah. Um, So that's, you know, I... I guess I, I'm, you know, in terms of analysis, is it is it good news? No. Is it bad news? Well, maybe, but it just sort of adds on another sort of aspect about computer sales, and um, maybe that means deep discounts for, for computers. If you're in the market for one, maybe you'll get, you know, get a good discount. But again, the prices of PCs, depending on what you get, what you want it for, can be very, you know, inexpensive or super expensive if you're, you know, kind of a hardcore gamer. So let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk about some, a lot of the government stuff. Uh, you want to talk about the U.S. first or go to the other, com- the other countries? Might as well go with U.S. first. All right. The Biden administration is weighing possible rules for AI tools like ChatGPT. Uh, we've been f- covering ChatGPT for uh, months, it seems. And finally, now the government seems to be uh, interested in 
getting their hands into it. So uh, the Biden administration, you know, there's there's a lot of fears growing over the potential use of AI to commit crimes and spread falsehoods, according to this Wall Street Journal article. Uh, the Commerce Department on Tuesday put out a formal public request for comment on what it calls accountability measures, including whether potentially risky new AI models should go through a certification process before they are released. Now, this is sort of, I think, a reaction to the, the, the story from a couple of weeks ago when Elon Musk and a bunch of other AI people said that there should be a six-month uh, moratorium on development. Um, I think at the time, we had some people talking on the show going, eh, you know, that, that horse is already out of the barn. Um, this also feels, again, I've never been a big fan of, of big government or any government in terms of getting involved in technology, because it always feels like it's too little too late. Um, but everyone knew that this was probably inevitable in, in the U.S., at least, in terms of some sort of regulation. But I'm not sure if that means a certification. Pro- like, again, you know, you set up something and who's, who's going to be in charge of de- t- determining right. whether. And, and the weird part about AI is, too, is that every answer can be different each time you ask it a question. Right. Well, I mean, look at it this way. I, honestly, I, I don't think it's too late. Um, obviously, it would have helped if they did it before they released it. But if you think about it, if, like if you look at ChatGPT, remember the EU released ChatGPT? Sorry, yeah. not ChatGPT, GDPR. Sorry. GDPR, yeah. GDPR. Um, you know, to have all the comp- all companies involved in EU business be compliant, like security-wise, right? Yeah, data privacy. But it's yeah. like every you know companies were already sharing everybody's data before they released GDPR. So it's like. With this, but with ChatGPT, I don't think it's I don't think it's too late. I think it's it's a I think it's a good time to to get involved. You know what I try, think? I, trying to crack down. A little what bit. I think would be cool is if Europe just basically took the lead on this one too, and Honestly, then came up yeah. with an AI standard, and then everyone just follows it like they do with GDPR. They'll they'll pass a policy tomorrow. It'll be done. It'll be done in you know a day. Right. And, and we'll all move on with our life. What, what's interesting <laughs> to me about this, and then the next story we're going to talk about is how the different governments are talking about protecting whatever from, you know, for the AI. For, so, for example, um, children's safety was on top of mind for Senator Michael Bennett, a Democrat out of Colorado, when he wrote last month to several AI companies asking about public experiments in which chatbots gave troubling advice to users posing as young people. Okay, so there. So this is the old uh, Simpsons line, you know, will somebody please think of the children? So, yeah, you know, so in the u.s we want to make sure that ais are protecting are not damaging our children now if you go to the next story which is the china one well, well hold on okay. can, we, can we pause well, there for a second yeah um so obviously we think this is a a good thing it's a needed thing right well you think it's probably better than i do i i would rather just have uh sort of the industry sort of self-regulate but i know that that's not always a popular answer yeah. Um, I, I tend to think that government regulation tends to drag down innovation or slow down the development of a technology more than it needs to. But I mean, uh, but, yeah, like one, yeah. one of these centers brought up a good point about like, you know, the whole children's safety thing. Like we, we don't want people, you know, young children going on this and start asking, it, you know, dubious things. Right. Right. You know what I mean? But I think that the companies that are developing that probably have those safeguards in place. But mm-hmm. again, maybe maybe they haven't given the answers that these companies maybe haven't responded yet to these questions. And so, yeah, maybe that would be a good thing is like maybe, you know, you have discussions about, you know, what happens if you do this? What happens if you do that? Yeah. And again, each answer could be different. But 
like I don't think anybody's actually said that a young, you know, a person posing is, you know, has been getting bad answers or, or you know, misleading information. Or, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any examples or, or stories on it, but I mean, every time I try to can, try can to, every time I try to trick the AI, it catches me. So I'm just not coming up with the right questions. I yeah. guess. Yeah. So what? So what we can gather from obviously the Wall Street Journal here with you know the the U.S. take on it is like, yeah, they want to crack down in some way yeah and and again so this is weird because it's also the commerce department which is sort of like uh, okay yeah yeah like a lot of people love the commerce i mean i'm do you know what the commerce department does i have absolutely no idea (laughs) regulating commerce (laughs) regulating business um but they are here's the interesting part if you are interested in this sort of topic and technology and you want to make comments you have about 60 days um, so, you know, feel free to use your right as an American citizen uh, to go on, make your comments, and, and someone else has to read them at some point. And then maybe they'll, they'll yeah. you know, take those into account. I mean, didn't we, didn't we see one or two companies, a couple of companies start to, you know, sue because of ChatGPT? In terms of like imagery and artwork. Well, yeah, yeah. There's certain. There's certainly yes. Uh, the image made like Midjourney is being sued okay, by Mid-Journey, a couple yeah. of companies by by some some photographers and, and artists that feel that they were their work was being used as the training data set. Mm-hmm. The Wall Street Journal and some other companies are going are not happy with uh, ChatGPT using its stories as a training material. Um, you know that th- those are the big ones right now. Mm-hmm. Why do you bring up like like why what's your thinking on the the lawsuits in this case? Is it just they're already looking for some sort of standard, or they're always looking for some sort of? I mean, I, I think so because th- there's going to be a big issue legally, like especially when it comes to artwork, especially when it comes to like curated written work and stuff like that. And the thing is, we we don't know where a lot of this is coming from, right? All the a, you know AI generated stuff, like it's got to be coming from somewhere. Is yeah. Someone, and I just think you're going to see more of this. You're going to have more. And again, it, this always approaches like whenever uh, someone doesn't understand something or if they don't, um, yeah, if they don't understand something and they don't know what something is about, they get fearful of it. And so we've seen this on a lot of different technology things. And we could have predicted that this was going to happen. Like, you know, the first instinct, whenever you see something that's new and might be dangerous. You go, oh, oh, fear, fear, must must stop. And I'm just hoping that this doesn't sort of drag it down. And, and but I but I will allow again if I'm emperor of the world, I will allow for some some comments. <laughs> mm. But I just don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I the cynical side of me tends to think that it will drag it down to the point where we don't want. It won't be as innovative as it is now. I think it'll do fine. Okay, I think it'll right. do fine. For, so once you, for once, you have to talk me off the ledge instead of me <laughs> sort of bringing you back into reality. But I, but so interestingly enough, let's let's go to the China story. So um, the Ch- the the Chinese government at the same time is looking at stricter rules for ChatGPT like AI tools. Why don't you? I don't have this on my screen. Can you bring this up on yours? Yeah, it's right there. Okay. Start talking about what they're going to do, and, I'll, and then I'll read along in a second. Uh, well, China's proposed rules are more detailed than general guidelines that are being discussed in other jurisdictions, said Yu Xuan Man of the Chinese University of Hong Kong, Shenzhen, right. who specializes in tech regulation and global governance. China's rule would include a prohibition on profiling users and impose strict controls on AI-generated content. 
which could jeopardize innovation as China battles the U.S. in developing advanced technologies, he said. Okay, so, so what they're also looking at is content generated by these services should not contain elements that could subvert state power, incite secession, or disrupt social order. So in America, you've got, won't somebody think of the children, whereas in China, you've got, won't someone think about the communist state? And so there is a difference, but it's, I mean, yeah. they are basically saying the same thing. Like, we're just trying to protect yeah, they're, they're either the our thing. power or our ability to control some of these things. But also in the U.S., like, it's also don't plagiarize and don't, don't right. you know, steal other people's work. Right. 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 They're trying to protect, you know, original creators and all sorts of things. Right. Now, if I had a tinfoil hat on, I could argue that the, you know, the U.S. government getting into it is to also sort of protect its own interests and protect... Uh, its control or its ability to, to sort of steer the narrative, that wouldn't be too far. Would that be too far loony for you? Say that again. <sighs> the, the reason that the government wants to get its hands in the, in, in the AI pie is because it yeah. wants to sort of either steer the, the discussion, steer the narrative, put a back door in. I mean, that could always be. I mean, we already know, like, they're going to, you know, like, they come out and say this, right? They're going to come out really strong against, you know, you know, regulating the AI and stuff like that. But it's like, we don't really know what's going to go on behind closed doors in China. Like, they're probably going to allow it to flourish and grow, you know, behind closed doors. Yeah. And then they're just going to release, like, a very light version to the public with heavy regulations on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But... I mean, should we have expected anything different? Probably not. No, no. I mean, what they're saying here, according to the Wall Street Journal, you know, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's to be expected. They're going to crack down on it, and, you know, you're not going to be able to do certain things with it. It's going to be heavily guarded, heavily... heavily uh, I mean, they already do that with the internet. Restricted. Like, do that yeah. with every other internet tool. I mean, so. that's why they have, uh, what is it, WhatsApp? Because they they don't allow right they don't allow Facebook they don't allow all the other social media apps that we have I don't think it's WhatsApp I think that's probably something else it's probably something run by Baidu or other right right and you can see all the messages they're not private oh right WhatsApp is just the me the messaging that's the messaging yeah, that's part just the messaging one but. of Facebook right or they own that company all right so we got China we got the U S and now I want to bring up this South Korea story uh, South Korea fined Google thirty two million dollars for uh, apparently squeezing out a local rival in terms of the mobile apps that they were allowed to give. Um, yeah. I mean, they basically have a monopoly on apps and the App Store. Well, I think Apple does too. Well, oh, yeah, US. Apple too, yeah. I mean, okay, there's two I mean, monopolies. There's two, well, yeah. Um, basically, uh, the South Korea Fair Trade Commission said that Google's tactics to block the growth of a rival app marketplace accounted amounted to anti-competitive practices. Game companies were induced to release their apps exclusively onto the Google Play Store in exchange for favorable promotion on the platform and support for launching their products overseas. I always got a feeling that, that that's what Apple and Google were doing in the U.S. as well. I don't know. It always felt like if you, yeah. you, know, if you paid Apple more money, that you would... Um, maybe it's because maybe maybe it goes one step further and say, well, we'll release it on the Google. Yeah, the exclu the exclusivity is the problem, probably. Like if you do this on Apple and you pay them extra money, you'll you'll get into that what's trending or what's hot area. Right. But you're also releasing that on other platforms. If if you're in the U.S., I think I haven't heard of any exclusive apps for 
a mobile platform, whether it's Google or, or but maybe that's the case over in, in South Korea. So, of course, Google's denying it or Google, you know, they're saying that we didn't violate the law, but um, 32 million is a lot of the, uh, money, but probably not for Google. I mean, they're a billion a, dollar company. They got that in their pockets right now. Yeah, but but basically, this is showing another trend of of the governments governments around the world starting to crack. I mean, it used to be sort of a, a, a much more it. of a free market, and they're cracking down a little bit more. Um, you know, the U.S. is is still suing Google over its advertising practices. I think they've gone after Apple, and they've gone after micro. You know, obviously they've gone after Microsoft on several attempts, but you know. It's this trend of like, all right, we're gonna we need to get more involved in tech. Maybe that means you know government people will know more about tech. The TikTok thing, for example, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's another example of like, um, I think a lot of people in government used to sort of fear technology, and now they're seeing sort of the consequences of if we don't do something. Maybe, maybe you have just changed my maybe I've just changed my mind about government getting involved in technology. Yeah, in, there you in, go. In the course of twenty minutes during this discussion. <laughs> See, this is what it is. I mean, they, I mean, like they, you know, government can do some good. Government can do some bad. Yeah. You know, sometimes government can get in the way of everything that we do, and sometimes they don't. So, I mean, maybe it, this was a good thing to South Korea to put their foot down and be like, "Hey, ease up," you know. All right. So there's there's another story, and then and then we'll we'll end with our with our fun one a little bit. So uh, there was a report. Uh, that came out this week, basically saying, is big tech's research and development spending actually hurting innovation in the U.S.? And remember a few weeks ago when we had uh, Jack Golden here, and we were talking about, is innovation dead? And, yeah. you know, wh why why does it feel like there's no new innovative products and, and things like that? Well, now it feels like there's some data behind some, some of that feeling that I had. Um, there were uh, pu uh, findings published this past week from researchers at the University of Chicago and the U.S. Census Bureau showed that when inventors join a large firm, they get a pay bump, but they also produce fewer new innovations relative to inventors that are hired by young firms. Uh, this research is based on a gigantic data set, including 760,000 U.S. inventors and their patent filing histories. Basically, what they're saying is that uh, inventors are increasingly concentrated in large incumbent companies. So companies like Facebook, Google, these, these, these giant mega companies, Microsoft, uh, and are less likely to work for younger firms and startups and less likely to become entrepreneurs. Because again, they're getting that pay bump. But then a lot of these people that are getting paid more, like when, when Google, when a, one of these big companies buys a smaller startup, you sort of see that innovation sort of go away. And they've got data and, and it, it's, a, it's a really interesting, like, the the inventors that are hired by a, a larger company earnings increase by 12.6% and their innovative output declines by 6 to 11%. Mm -hmm. So they've also so it's not just that they're getting more money but then they t tend to sort of be less innovative. Right. Um and so they're they're probably very very comfortable. <laughs> and again, you know, there's there's evidence from recent uh news because Google has spent has been working on their AI tool for their generative AI tool. Bard, right? Yeah. Yeah. They've been working on it for, you know, five years, five plus years, or I'm just throwing that number out there, but a number of years. And it wasn't until a smaller startup, OpenAI, came around, now heavily financed and invested in by Elon Musk and other, in Microsoft and other mm -hmm. companies. So they, they did get a lot of money, but it was still a smart a startup. And so there's this feeling that if you work for a startup, the culture of the startup is take more risks, be more innovative, you know, sort of 
Like, and, and again, maybe it's because you're, you're, you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. Sort of that sort of attitude and, and that energy that drives you to, to be a little bit more innovative. Um, the Wall Street Journal story that, that, that you had up on the screen does talk about the founder of Waze. Um, do, you use the, do you use that app, the Waze app? On, it's like a mapping app that basically tells you where the cops are. It's, no, it's all it, crowdsourced. It's a great, great little app. Yeah, I mean, no, I use Google, and I'm pretty sure yeah. Waze uses all the data from Google anyways. Right, but before that, they weren't. Right. Or they may have been, they may have been licensing it. Maybe, but... But it was an independent company, and then they got bought by Google. And so yeah. they, interviewed, they interviewed the guy and said, after you got bought by Google, he became a vice president of Google. And he just felt, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, we were caught more up in trying to get that next promotion or, or attending meetings and, and not really sort of, and, and less and less doing that innovative. So, so I thought I mean, that was interesting that they've now quantified right. sort of, you know, larger companies. And again, there's a lot of larger companies that also use this as an acquisition strategy. Say you're at the top of a market and you start seeing all these little startups that could threaten your business. One of the first things you do is, well, like, let's just buy that company, put their technology, we now own it, and then either not develop it or, and then sort of let it die. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, once you make it to the top, what more is there to do? Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like when Waze got bought out, you know, he kind of got his big break. It's kind of like, well, do, I, do you need to innovate after that? Well, I mean, some people I mean, are driven. You could. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're an inventor and an engineer, you true you're inventor, always, true engineer, you're always yeah. trying to, to to innovate and 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 do new things and save the world and you know all that kind of stuff. Right. You and I are built differently from from an inventor <laughs> and an engineer. I think. Maybe. Maybe unless you've invented something that I haven't heard of yet. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the inventor of the tech talk. I didn't even invent this channel. Like that was this. I'm just the host. I'm just the caretaker of of this of all of this. Um, I I just thought it was interesting because again, it, it had I had that thought about is innovation being stifled, and this is sort of some evidence that maybe it has, and and um, the reason why we get excited about startups is because they're probably more likely to have newer things that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was mainly uh, what CES was all about, for the most part. Like, like new the, inventions, new tech, new stuff that would you know yeah. people would pitch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, ninety percent of it is probably useless. Well, there used to be whole start but, like you know the the demo show which uh, IDG was involved with for a, a you know a couple of decades. Yeah. That was always the, this is something you've never seen before. This is going to be where inventors come to pitch their stuff. But now there's so many of those types of shows, like TechCrunch does Disrupt, and yeah. there's all those types of shows. I mean, there's a whole community, you know, that, or, whole, that whole TV show Silicon Valley was all about startups, and they were trying to invent something, but you had this mega corporation that wanted to just buy you out. Or, or maybe we just, as a people, made it to the top, and now we're just complacent, <laughs> you know, we're just complacent where we are. What was that? The uh, you know what was that other episode we did a while back? Like the the peak of innovation. Yeah, that right? was it. That As was, a people, though, maybe yeah. we're just like we maybe we have enough. Maybe we need we have the, enough. You know what? Maybe you know? we need the aliens to land, and and it'll create new problems. We will have for new us problems. to make new solutions to. Right. <laughs> like let's all band together and destroy the aliens. Because I'm not being. I'm. Let's be honest. We're not going to be friends with any aliens, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be ET coming down. It's going to be the Independence Day aliens, <laughs> right? <laughs> Could I don't know. I don't know. If it's the ET aliens, I will I will issue a formal uh, apology to our uh, alien overlords. All right, 
Last story. This is our one AI story today, okay? This was also in the Wall Street Journal this week. Uh, apparently, the fortune cookie industry is, is in upheaval thanks to our old friend, ChatGPT. Uh, factories are now split over whether to use software instead of humans to write the random bits of wisdom inside the cookie. Uh, People, so, okay, so someone actually wrote those. There are companies that employ <laughs> human copywriters wow. to write fortune cookies. I'm going to give you... So, I thought they just Googled the fortunes and just printed them out. Well, <laughs> no. it's not it's not that far probably. For, I don't know. I've never been a fortune cookie writer. Yeah. Um, never been employed to to write these fortunes. Uh, but it did feel, it does feel like when I was younger, you know, the fortune cookie was probably the best part of the of the meal. Because then, you know, when you're younger, you sort of believe in that kind of thing. And I'm talking like when I'm a kid, like you open the cookie and you're like, you know, and you know, you will find fame and fortune or you, you believe you know, it and you believe, believe it. it, you believe it. Like, it's like, Hey, this, this, this fortune was written for me. The fates have determined that this cookie is meant to be for me. And then they started adding lottery numbers to, <laughs> to the cookies. And then it, when I was a teenager, the big joke was you could take any fortune and then add the word in bed at the end. And then it would be like, you will find fame and fortune in bed. Or you'd be like, you are a great person in bed. Like, that was the big joke. I don't know if you went through that adolescent joke. Probably nope, not. not okay. at all. All right. So, <laughs> but then they, the cookie stopped being less about, um, about like predicting things. Mm-hmm. And it was more about just giving you an, either an inspirational or a funny message inside the cookie. Right. Um, the Simpsons parodied this once, a couple times on The Simpsons. There was, um, there was the episode where Homer had a co-worker who, and they went to a Chinese restaurant um, on an out-of-town trip and he was attracted to her. She was attracted to him, but he was married. Anyway, they went to a fortune. And the big joke was, was that it was nice of the Chinese restaurant to make us hamburgers, which is a great, <laughs> great line. Uh, but then they open up the fortune, you know, Homer opens up the fortune and it says like, you know, uh, you will find love in a new person or something like that. And then they go to the back of the restaurant and and the guy goes, oh, we're all out of those, you know, new partner uh, fortune cookies. And the guy goes, oh, well, we'll give them the ones that say stay with your wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> so the second one was there was a Mr. Burns episode where he opens up the fortune cookie and it says you will find love on flag day, which is. And then, of course, the next day being Flag Day, he finds someone that he falls in love with. Anyway, uh, for, so fortune cookie messages have changed. So now, with the, the arrival of ChatGPT, obviously, if you ask it to write 50 fortune cookie messages, it'll give you, you know... 50 fortune, 50 fortune cookie fortune messages. Cookie. So this is what I did this morning. I went to my Bing slash ChatGPT access, and I had it write... A bunch of fortune cookie messages. Not 50 of them. No. Well, no, I did. I think I did 20. Okay. Um, but that's so. And then I found a, a website that showed pictures of real fortune cookie messages. So I, I'm assuming that those fortune cookie messages are written by real people. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to that part where we can't tell if it's AI generated or not in terms of the, the internet's. You know, on the internet where you can find any article that you want. So I, you'd type in fortune cookie messages and you get like, you know, here's a bunch of photos of fortune cookie messages. So what we're going to do is I'm going to play a little quick game with you. I'm going to say, this is the fortune cookie challenge. Was this written by AI or a real person? Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. The first message. The only thing standing between you and your goal is yourself. AI. Yes, correct. Ding. All right. Don't let fear stop you from pursuing pursuing your passion. 
Jeez, that's AI. Okay, the, correct. He who expects no gratitude shall never be disappointed. Not AI. Well, that's real. Wow, you're going really well. The only person you need to impress is yourself. AI. Yep. And the last one, be not afraid of growing slowly. Be afraid only of standing still. Not AI. Wow. Yeah, because here's the thing. Okay, it so sounds how, so bland and generic. Yep. Okay. Like I wrote it. <laughs> it sounds like I wrote it. <laughs> it, it just sounds so obvious. The ones that, you know, are written eloquently and, you know, a little bit more creatively, like that's probably written by a person. I thought I was going to trick you a little bit. No, thought, not at all. Wow. <laughs> I did notice that like, so the first, the, the first batch of ones that I got were all in the, you will do something, you will find. And then I, I, I had it write funny ones. And then it started writing jokes. It was like, you will trip down the stairs, but the stairs will be to heaven or something like that. It, I just made you need that to one ask, up too. So, so what we need to do, we need to ask ChatGPT. Okay, hear me out. Yeah. Let's ask ChatGPT to write 10 fortune cookie lines in the aneurysms of Cardi B. <laughs> in the what? Like aneurysms of Cardi B. Like, what is like when she does like the, oh, Kurt. I have no idea. So I'm you, sorry. I'm, I'm old. I, I have oh, no come idea. on. I'm, I know, not, I'm I, not that young. I know who Cardi B is, but what is this aneurysm thing? <laughs> or, or, or write fortune cookie lines oh, okay, as like on. a Gen Z or, right. or something. Uh, write I don't a know. fortune cookie, um, is it phrase? Sentence. Line. Like in fortune the, cookie line. In the style of, who do you want? Just do Cardi B. Cardi. See what happens. <laughs> All right, we're doing this live, so we, yep. have, we okay. have no idea what's going to no come up. We have no idea going to come up. Fortune cookie sentence, Cardi B style. <laughs> it's, good, it's just going to give me one because I didn't tell it to write me That's 20. fine. That's okay, fine. here we go. It's the one and the only. <laughs> Is it PG? Oh, here we go. Okay. I'm living my best life, ain't going back and forth with you. <laughs> All right, straight to the point. Straight to the point. Sounds like anybody could have said that. All right. I'm just going to do one more. Fortune cookie sentence in the style of Jerry Seinfeld? Gen Z. Of a Generation Z influencer. <laughs> See, they're just going to go with the yeah. inspirational type of quote. Right. You know, right. it's like, live your best life. Exactly. The, the, Very the journey, generic. The journey, you know, it's all about the friendships you make along the way type yeah. of things. And right? honestly, that's what... To me, right now, that's what AI seems like right now. It's very generic to the point. I'm very surprised that you were able to get it. Oh, (laughs) okay. Here we go. You're a boss babe who will slay all day and make your dreams come true. There it is. Perfect. There it is. The Gen Z Chat GPT is a Gen Zer in disguise. Uh, I was actually trying to find a Chinese restaurant this afternoon to see if I could get a real one, but I couldn't find one. Or they needed a 30 minute like order ahead type of a thing. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I guess the Chinese fortune cookie writers are, are safe for now, but you know, again, it's just another example of, but, but again, you're right. You're exactly right. I think that all of the messages I got. So after I eliminated the whole, you will thing, I then asked it to write an inspirational one and not a joke. And then they were still doing two sentence structures. And mm-hmm. then I asked it to just do, give me one sentence. And that's when I came up with them. But a lot of the inspirational messages that I were getting are the same ones that you would see on, if you typed in Google right now, you know, inspirational quotes, you know, not for a fortune, but just like, give me an inspirational quote. And, you know, like, for example, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. Which Wayne was Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Right. But that came up as one of the fortune cookie messages. 
So, 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 so well, it's just it, regurgitating. It's so just regurgitating. It's plagiarizing, basically. Exactly. A, a, you know, quote from someone else. But if you want it to write something original, that's where I think it might struggle. See, that's where I think it should just get weirder and weirder. Like, yeah, maybe. Write something that's never been written before. I, I suppose I could type that in, but then that might confuse it'll, it. It'll write something that has been written before. <laughs> right. Because it's not, you know, it's not right. sentient, right? Right. It doesn't, it, not yet at least. Right. Okay. All right, Chris. I'm going to try to come up. So I'm going to try to come up with a quiz that will that will fool you. You're 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 batting a thousand right there. So take a victory lap. I bow. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we've got for today's episode. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and add any comments you have below. Join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.